वी आर बैक विद मोर ऑफ मिड डे मैटर्स दर्शन महाराजा विथ यू एंड सागर 960 एम एंड आई हैव इन स्टूडियो राइट नाउ द लवली मिस हजार अल सबाग who is people's party candidate for mrs saga erin mills am i right yes yes welcome to the studio hazar thank you darshan thank you for inviting me to your show so very glad you could make it here because you know i saw this as an opportunity there are certain issues that uh, have somehow become off limits in political discussion as well as any public discussion islamophobia being one of them yes and unfortunately. Um, yeah unfortunately <laughs> and i'm uh, friends with a lot of uh, muslims here mm-hmm. who are completely against the whole idea and the way it is being pushed uh, tariq fatah being one of them uh, tahir gora yes. and uh, several others hamid bashani is a lawyer maybe you know him mm-hmm. and uh, these are the people who have very balanced views and it is possible possible to have an open discussion absolutely the moment you say that people cannot discuss something it becomes very difficult for a society to function no absolutely i agree and in fact it limits our capabilities as muslims as you know i identify as a muslim mm-hmm. to be able to address the in-house issues and be yes. able to mitigate or even eliminate those issues mm-hmm. that are faced that we're facing as muslims ourselves because as you know um we are equally in danger from extremism indeed, indeed. actually this was exactly the point that uh, hamid bashani told me and it is echoed by almost all uh, muslims that i know which is that the biggest risk of this is to muslims mm-hmm. yes because they are the first ones to be silenced now when this debate uh, erupted basically uh, about a couple of years ago this was in early 2017 2017 yeah. yeah that's when the islamophobia motion m103 was introduced mm-hmm. and uh, i always saw it as a as a very cynical uh, divisive move It was, yes. And in fact, it was very one-sided and it was, as I like to call it, it eventually shielded the extremists from mm-hmm. any kind of criticism mm-hmm. and rendered all of us vulnerable from mm-hmm. um, uh, again, against Islam. And this is a problem because we have Muslims who have been spending decades, if not centuries, mm-hmm. trying to address these issues in-house. And then we have a government who mm-hmm. has no idea what Islam is to begin with. With, for right. example, Frank Bayless being the one who started the whole petition, yes. <laughs> assuming that he knows better <laughs> and uh, just basically hijacking this issue and setting us back decades in our progress. Now, this started with an e-petition, E-411, as I yes. recollect. And at that time, it was under the radar, which is basically how you start something so that by the time it emerges on surface, it has already grown. Mm-hmm. It attracted 69,000-odd uh, signatures online. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, when I was talking to some of my Muslim friends, they said that th- this is exactly what uh, happened in Pakistan as well after the country was formed in 1947. in 1949 they passed an objectives resolution mm-hmm. stating out the objectives for which the country had been formed now that's a little bit surprising that they had to figure out the objectives 2 years after forming <laughs> the country but uh, they said that that was the starting point and they saw m103 as a repeat of that exercise and as you know in pakistan something like 3 decades later they had full sharia law in effect Wow. Uh, I, under General yes, Zia Al-Hat. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, full Sharia law, including public floggings and everything else that is associated with that. And criticizing 
uh, aspects of Sharia law because it's supposed to be divine and therefore beyond criticism. Mm -hmm. uh, criticizing that becomes uh, very difficult for non-Muslims because they get shut out saying you don't know and within the Muslim community they have uh, a real prospect of reprisals. So as a you know modern Muslim who is assimilated with the modern world, I won't call it the Western world, mm -hmm. it is the modern world. How do you cope with this this kind of pressure from being within the community? Uh, that's a great question. I, um, to be honest, it's uh, it's I can't answer that directly because I'm consistently working with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, in my situation, and I know that a lot of Muslims face the same situation. We're mm -hmm. getting beat on both ends of the stick. Mm -hmm. We have people, and I just recently met someone who told me that I was part of the problem of Islam. Uh -huh. And on the other side of the spectrum, we have Islamists and extremists who mm -hmm. are looking to silence my voice. And mm -hmm. so it's a continuous struggle. And the only thing that I could leverage is my voice and my perseverance and just try and educate people because the um, the underlying factor here is mm -hmm. the continuous ignorance that exists among all of us as a society, as a world. Right. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of information mm -hmm. um, uh, that is uh, at, at literally at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for Muslims like us who just want to wake up in the morning, go do our job. Right. We want to live in a secular life. Right. And if actually, if I may speak about Sharia law, uh, there is a clause that mm -hmm. says if you are in a country that has... Mm -hmm. A government, a secular government, we mm -hmm. must respect that government. Mm -hmm. And so, and and people don't understand that. People in our mm -hmm. religion, my religion, doesn't un don't understand that. People mm -hmm. outside of it, and it's not their fault. It's mm -hmm. just because governments like this current administration mm -hmm. are not allowing us to, you know, take uh, take our movements mm -hmm. and educate people mm -hmm. instead they are risk averting instead of risk managing and what they want to do what this current administration has done with m103 basically mm -hmm. has decided that they didn't want to deal with the risks the potential risks right. and manage them they didn't mm -hmm. want to acknowledge them mm -hmm. rather let's just avoid it altogether mm -hmm. and drop a regulation and expect an entire country of 37 million people mm -hmm. to just agree yeah which is <laughs> silencing discussion yeah and I came across uh, uh, an opinion website mm -hmm. online. Uh, it's basically, you know, Muslims asking questions if they have any doubts, concerns, then they're seeking clarity. And uh, someone asked this specific question that uh, as a Muslim, if I am living in a non-Muslim country, could be any, it could be secular or it could be anything else. Uh, how far can I follow Sharia law? <laughs> and their advice was very clear. And this was uh, backed up by quotations of all the scriptures uh, saying that uh, it is your duty to obey the law of the land. Because the moment you enter that country, you are basically entering into a contract. Now, this is backed up and I am no one to say whether this, this is authentic or not, <laughs> but it seemed authentic to me. Backed up by references to scriptures, uh, hadiths, and even Quranic verses. So, their, their uh, stand is that when you enter another country, you are entering into a contract to abide by the laws yes. of uh, that country. On the other hand, there is this uh, vocal uh, constituency among Muslims that says that they can only be governed by Islamic law, which is immutable. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to 
get your view on the immutability part <laughs> because if it cannot change i am vaguely familiar with the concept of ijtihad mm-hmm. which interestingly derives from the same root as jihad yeah but ijtihad is supposed to be interpretation Now, absolutely if yeah. it is if the divine law is not supposed to change then you don't have uh, a possibility to interpret it in light of new circumstances so how do you how do you navigate this i think that um those who believe that um i think they've lost sight of the whole point mm-hmm. of the religion mm-hmm. um yes the the quran mm-hmm. is supposedly unchanging and hasn't mm-hmm. changed the holy mm-hmm. book itself hasn't changed in the last 1400 years mm-hmm. but when it comes to following uh islam it's presumptuous to assume that there is just one way as you know we have hundreds of islamic countries and if you <laughs> ask one person mm-hmm. about islam mm-hmm. you will receive a hundred different a hundred different answers right. there's just no one right answer and i think that's one of the downsides of um having a holy book that's unchanging while mm-hmm. in in my personal opinion i do agree that this is you know having a book that's unchanging seems novel mm-hmm. in some ways but in the other aspect is that we need to understand that that book also changes over time and space not necessarily the words mm-hmm. but we are talking about 1400 years later mm-hmm. we are not what islam was or we are not in a community mm-hmm. that was that existed 1400 years ago we are uh, in fact in a different country mm-hmm. and we are in a different society mm-hmm. and those the time and the space does mm-hmm. affect should affect and should allow for that religion to evolve and mm-hmm. unfortunately not many people understand that and mm-hmm. those are the people that then tend to lean towards extremism and then those are the people that um tend to set us back in society very relevant because you know if uh, a terrorist attack is carried out by someone who claims to be a muslim mm-hmm. and uh, there is something that backs his or her actions up saying the quran says that it is my duty to kill jews now if that is supposed to be unchanging word of god we have a problem yes <laughs> so uh, and on 100%. the other side the i will call them apologists for lack of lack of a better word they will say that um, this is a misinterpretation mm-hmm. of islam but i have so far not come across an authentic source that says this is the interpretation and nobody is going to deviate from that yeah now how do you see this exercise happening inside i'm seeing from the outside how do you see it happening inside uh it's more or less the same actually okay. it's uh it's a struggle it really is because uh, people are there's a lot of people who just don't want to listen who mm-hmm. don't want to uh change with mm-hmm. the times who don't want to accept that evolution happens mm-hmm. in time and space mm-hmm. and so it's uh it's more or less the same views yes from the inside out and it's also like i mentioned earlier a lot more dangerous for us from the inside yes in fact because yes. actually I may also add I have recently become friends with Ansaf Haider in the mm-hmm. the most serendipitous way and I'm forever <laughs> grateful for that friendship and just seeing what she's going through mm-hmm. her family her children and Raif Badawi still uh, in prison for mm-hmm. just for for ex- for wanting freedom for mm-hmm. wanting the freedom to live his life the way and wanting the freedom for the Saudis mm-hmm. is um 
it's it's devastating to to watch it and not be able to do anything about it. Yeah, that is, I think, the test case, Raif mm-hmm. Badawi and now his sister as well, yes. Samar. Uh, I came to know about him many years ago when he was initially uh, put in prison and sentenced to 1,000 lashes. That is what caught my eye. And, you know, I basically jumped up at that. No human being can survive that kind of physical punishment. It's barbaric. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that brings into question Canada's foreign relations with uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, it is an important country in the world and Mm -hmm. even more important in the region. Uh, As the supplier of such huge quantities of crude oil, it has its own geopolitical uh, importance as well. So, of late, it looks like uh, the Canadian government, the present government, hasn't handled that relationship uh, in an astute manner to maintain a balance. Because yeah. we yeah. have our own uh, moral standing or moral stance. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, uh, we have our own uh, interests to pursue. And therefore, you have to walk a fine line. Now, they have either gone over on, on the other side or toppled over on this side. There doesn't seem to be a balance. So, if it was left to a people's party, how would you approach this? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, to be honest, I actually don't have an answer for you. But what I can say is mm-hmm. that, yes, I agree with you. The relationship between Saudi and, and Canada is a bit of a disaster right now. Right. And um, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier on your show today mm-hmm. about leveraging social media mm-hmm. and political figures using social media to boost their image. Mm-hmm. I think I, if I were to blame anyone, I would blame the, com- the, the foreign minister of affairs, Christia mm-hmm. Freeland, mm-hmm. for using an opportunity to boost her own image Hmm. and discussing diplomatic, sensitive diplomatic issues on Twitter. I find that very irresponsible and uh, very also arrogant in her part to assume that an entire country, an entire royal government Mm -hmm. would just look at her tweet and go, oh, God, what am I going to do? We're going to have to do something. (laughs) I mean, that was absolutely. And this is not to diminish the the human rights violations that Mm -hmm. they that they have um, fractured over and over again. I mean, what they do is atrocious. But to say to the fact that it started like that with our foreign affairs minister mm-hmm. um, has really put not just the People's Party of Government, if we were to be elected, but mm-hmm. any government moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think the only solution right now that I could speak of, something to set, uh, to, to at least get things, the ball rolling, is mm-hmm. to, to be quite frank, uh, get uh, is to vote Prime Minister Justin Trudeau out of government because he has lost all credibility, not just with Saudi Arabia, but with the entire international community to his face. They may be all smiles and happy and shaking hands, but we all know that everybody around the world and in this country recognize his hypocrisy. I mean, how could a prime minister and a foreign affairs minister go on Twitter to speak about the atrocities of human rights violations and say that it's deeply concerning in Canada Mm -hmm. and that they stand up for those human rights uh, for human rights and then turn around a year later or within that same year Mm -hmm. apply a motion Mm -hmm. that silences the very human rights activists (laughs) who are fighting um, countries like that 
the you know the factor that I see here at play, and I'm guessing, but this is a good possibility, which is that uh, you know believing that an entire society is monolithic. Now I've lived in the United Arab Emirates for five years, and uh, I've dealt with uh, people who were basically Saudis, mm-hmm. and they are as much in sync with the modern world as we are living it here in uh, Canada. As anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, to assume that uh, you know everybody is uh, of the same mindset is uh, fundamentally wrong. Yeah. You have to uh, empower the voices of moderation within whichever country you are talking about. Not necessarily Saudi Arabia, but if you have any concerns about human rights and uh, civil rights within a country. There is only so much you can do as a foreign country and then there are national interests to balance out also. It's not our uh, job or our mission to preach to the world and hope that they will uh, change their uh, behavior. Absolutely. Now, yeah, so that is where I was, uh, you know, getting stuck on this uh, whole attitude uh, to Saudi Arabia. On the, you know, on the other hand, we have all these cases of uh, Saudi international students who were accused of... Um, uh, sexual crimes, mm-hmm. sometimes even charged, and they had to post bail. And part of the bail included, in one case, the person's uh, vehicle. And their passport was impounded mm-hmm. by Canadian authorities, and they managed to flee Canada. Yeah. So there is open speculation going on as to who might have colluded with who in order to enable that. There is this uh, sense of Impunity. Now, talking about human rights within Saudi Arabia is one thing. But when there is a Canadian victim or alleged victim Mm -hmm. until the court case is adjudicated, there is a special responsibility of the Canadian government to be on top of it so that uh, justice is done. Yes. In that respect, how do you view this? uh, How how shameful it is. I'm being very frank here. How shameful it is that we are letting uh, these uh, accused uh, sexual uh, criminals uh, get out of Canada. Yes, no, I agree. And I think that this was uh, a failure on our end mm-hmm. as, a, as a, a Canadian government, I would say, has has failed to see that potential risk with the bailout. I mean... Saudi Arabia sought an opportunity. This all kind of unfolded around the same time as Mm -hmm. the diplomatic feud. And so, of course, they were already in the midst of getting all of their Saudis brought back from Mm -hmm. Canada. And to be frank, if they're violating these human rights, they couldn't care less about the assault charges and they would do anything in their power to bring back those Saudis who did commit these assaults. And given that they... uh, that they do, they have their own violation, human rights violations. I'm sure that there, there's something that happened there. Mm-hmm. We dropped the ball. Our Canadian government has dropped the ball severely and have done nothing to remit, uh, to rectify mm-hmm. the ball that has been dropped. <laughs> yeah. um, and at the same, on the other side, um, we need to figure out moving forward mm-hmm. what to do in order to prevent this from happening again, because. There is no justice brought to these uh, to these Canadians, and that's not right. Right now, for that to happen, you would have to first of all open up the debate, and we have yes. <laughs> severe restrictions. Now, at yes. the time when M one hundred three was being um, discussed, 
you know the important legal discussion uh, di- uh, distinction uh, between it being a motion not a bill mm-hmm. uh, was emphasized but as uh, the you know my friends who are muslim and uh, have knowledge first hand sometimes of what happened in pakistan they said this is how it begins how do yes. you roll this back because uh, i have always uh, you know believed that any reform uh, f- uh, that is required for a community is best done from inside the community Yes, no, I agree and that's uh I I am the first one to tell you that I agree that everything that if, in order for change to happen it has to happen from within and it's not easy. It may not happen tomorrow or next month or the year after. It may not happen in 10 years, but as long as we continue to do it to to instill that change from within the community, then it starts to eventually progress and reflect outward. Now, going back to your question though to answer your question on how we can could um repeal it i honestly don't know mm-hmm. um this is my first time in politics right <laughs> but i am problem. i am learning i and i am open mm-hmm. open minded and uh the only thing i can say is that the sooner we repeal that motion mm-hmm. the better and i imagine that if the emphasis is, is that it's not a bill it shouldn't be as difficult as repealing a bill in that case yeah, right. i imagine but not just talking about um, the legislative mm-hmm. aspect of it from within the community mm-hmm. uh, first of all i would like to know what kind of support you saw for that motion within the muslim canadian community personally i didn't see much support actually i uh, um the motion didn't make sense to a lot of us in the mm-hmm. community and i i can't um i can't speak to it 100% because i actually am involved in many different communities i mm-hmm. see myself as a canadian and so i have a diverse group of friends i mm-hmm. guess you could say but right. we are all the common denominator uh, denominator sorry is that we are all canadians and so i interact with a lot of different people Mm-hmm. on a daily basis and I'm not always uh in or within an Islamic community in Mississauga but uh from what I understand is that it didn't make any sense because um and it goes back to what uh, Professor Salim Mansour said in July mm-hmm. that um if anything it was kind of offensive to us because now that we are trying to address these issues mm-hmm. inbound in 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 our own homes and now the government's calling us islamophobes and that just doesn't make sense to us so there wasn't much support and actually looking at the petition to begin with mm-hmm. the petition wasn't when it began mm-hmm. it started in june 5th of 2017 if i'm not if i'm not mistaken right. and it ended in october mm-hmm. and the fact that there were only 69 that over just over 69000 signatures mm-hmm. um tells me that not many people supported that petition across canada we have over 37 million people in canada right. what that tells me is that 0.0018% of the population <laughs> signed this of which 1061 of those signatures were outside of the country so it's arguable that they weren't even Canadians that were signing this petition and the petition did not speak to presenting a motion so basically what i argue that mp ikra khalid mm-hmm. just saw this mo- uh, this this petition mm-hmm. and decided sought the opportunity mm-hmm. a political opportunity to uh turn this into the disaster that is m103 because on de- 
December 5th, mm-hmm. Frank Bayless did receive an email or a letter from the government, from the House of Commons, stating mm-hmm. that we appreciate the petition. Here's what we've done to ensure that there is no, you know, uh, violence against Muslims or no uh, so-called Islamophobia mm-hmm. um, it, that against Muslims. And so that letter should have sufficed. But Ikra Khalid took it another step further and mm-hmm. presented a motion um, and wasn't even willing to uh, debate or compromise the wording mm-hmm. of her motion. Yes. Yes, the conservatives at the time, uh, uh, you know, brought forward another motion that was basically the same with a little bit of change to give equal importance to all religions. Exactly. But they were fixated on uh, on Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. You know, if I think about the term Islamophobia, I'm still struggling to understand <laughs> that because if I have a fear of heights which is a phobia mm-hmm. or claustrophobia, yes. then you cannot legislate it away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I have it, I have it. Yes. So the government stepping in to say that it is wrong to have this is uh, kind of pointless. It is. It is. Because if 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 there is Islamophobia, mm-hmm. which would should define should be defined as an irrational fear mm-hmm. against Islam, mm-hmm. then this is something of that should be of concern and that we should be discussing and mm-hmm. finding ways to help those people who suffer from Islamophobia. Right. But in terms of that definition, actually. Uh, that that word actually has existed uh, long before Ikra Khalid brought it up in government. Right. It's existed and it it comes, the definition actually has to, um, f- has to be unfolded or has to be described with mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. And so let me go back a hundred years. Mm-hmm. On ni- in 1918, one of the first times Islamophobia was used mm-hmm. was used by an Algerian in mm-hmm. Algeria. Oh. Now the context in 1918 was that Algeria was a colony and was colonized by the French. And so in that context mm-hmm. where Algerians, predominantly Muslim Algerians, were being eradicated by mm-hmm. the French in mm-hmm. 1918, right. that term being coined makes sense. Yes. Now let's fast forward again going back to what I was saying about time and space and mm-hmm. evolving with time and space. Fast forward a hundred years to now, 2019, mm-hmm. Islamophobia, if we remember that context, does not exist in, in technically Canada. in Canada. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Because Muslims have the same rights as any other Canadian Absolutely. here in Canada. They are not uh, generally discriminated against. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, the situation that existed back in colonized Algeria is a world apart from what we have here in Canada. Yes, exactly. Definitely. And I feel that by using that word, overusing that word and trending that word the way we see other words being trended is very much an insult to everyone who actually suffered that years ago, almost a century ago. Yes. And um, is is devaluing or diminishing mm-hmm. the Im- the importance of that word in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So... Um, like I said, it's not an issue. I don't feel that it's an issue. I feel that it's been perversed by the extremists in order to push their political agenda uh, and um, manipulate the government in a way to serve that agenda. And it's happening in a subtle way, so it doesn't seem so dangerous right now. <laughs> but 
this is a concern. And like I said, risk aversion is not the solution. Risk management, acknowledging mm-hmm. that we have bad eggs mm-hmm. in any religion. Mm-hmm. And because I identify as a Muslim, I speak to mine. Mm-hmm. We have bad eggs and we need to address those. We need to debate these issues. Mm-hmm. The, the M103, what kills me the most about it is that it really tarnishes the memory of Aksa Parvez. Yes. And just thinking about it just makes me emotional because Aksa Parvez, my sister, went to school with her. And her her honor killing, Mm -hmm. not being able to speak about that, being Mm -hmm. condemned as an Islamophobe because I can't address that Mm -hmm. apparent blatant Mm -hmm. issue, Mm -hmm. uh, is it, it just really, it saddens me. Well, thank you very much for a very clear and erudite explanation. Thank and, you, Darshan. Uh, hopefully thank you so much. our listeners have also uh, learned a lot from uh, your explanations. Yes, thank, thank you. you again for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I hope we get another chance to discuss other other aspects of politics. Sure, we will. Sure, <laughs> we will. Stay tuned, folks. We have MPP Khalid Rashid um, coming up next to discuss what's going on in Queen's Park.